November 26th. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, through chapter 5, verse 14. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well, so that God's generosity can flow through you. Are you called to be a speaker? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. Are you called to help others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then God will be given glory in everything through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to Him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in His suffering. And afterward, you will have the wonderful joy of sharing His glory when it is displayed to all the world. Be happy if you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God will come upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His wonderful name. For the time has come for judgment and it must begin first among God's own children. And if even we Christians must be judged, what terrible fate awaits those who have never believed God's good news? And if the righteous are barely saved, what chance will the godless and sinners have? So, if you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right, and trust yourself to the God who made you, for He will never fail you. And now, a word to you who are elders in the churches. I, too, am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ. And I, too, will share His glory and His honor when He returns. As a fellow elder, this is my appeal to you. Care for the flock of God entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your good example. And when the head shepherd comes, your reward will be a never-ending share in his glory and honor. You younger men, accept the authority of the elders, and all of you serve each other in humility. For God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and in His good time He will honor you. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about what happens to you. Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him, and be strong in your faith.
Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In His kindness, God called you to His eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. After you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you, and He will place you on a firm foundation. All power is His forever and ever. Amen. I have written this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I consider a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that the grace of God is with you no matter what happens. Your sister church here in Rome sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other in Christian love. Peace be to all of you who are in Christ. In verse 14 we see Israel saying skeptically, but I don't feel loved. But Zion says, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. He says, I feel forsaken, you've forsaken, forgotten me. I'm surrounded by needs now, I've got needs now, I'm surrounded by tragedy now. So how does God deal with this? How does God deal with this despondency, this sense of forsakenness? And in verse 15, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Mother's love for a child is not just physical and emotional, it's unconditional. How indestructible is a mother's love for her child? And now God says, I want you to compare that to me. God is saying, do you know what he's saying here? He says, you see mother love, it's nothing compared to my love for you. You see her physical love? You see her very being moves her towards you? Do you know that everything about my glory, everything about my faithfulness, everything about my very nature drives me powerfully towards you. I'm a God of love. I'm a God of faithfulness. You give me nothing. It's nothing but take, 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 take. You're completely selfish. You add no value to my life at all, and I absolutely love you unconditionally. But guess what? God's not done, because ultimately this is still talk. And if you only have words and not action, in the end, you don't believe the person loves you. Because in the end, what really convinces you that somebody loves you is not talk, but action. In verse 16, the metaphor changes and says, See, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Now, at first, that looks like just another lovely metaphor about his devotion. And now here's the reason why. It was sometimes true in ancient times that the name of a master might be tattooed on the servant. But never, ever, ever, ever is the name of the servant tattooed on the master. That would mean a master who's devoted to the servant. And of course, well, that's what we have here. Isn't that beautiful? Another metaphor of God's love. But no, it's not a beautiful metaphor. It's a horrible metaphor. You know why? It doesn't say tattoo. It says, I have engraved you in the palm of my hands. And that word engraved is a very specific Hebrew word that means engraved with a hammer and a chisel. Conjure up the image of someone out of love letting people take a hammer and drive a spike right into the palm of their hand. Isn't that horrible? Yes, it is horrible. Doesn't that make you cringe? Yes, it makes you cringe. Isn't that crazy? No, it's not crazy. Centuries later, there was a man named Thomas. Jesus Christ appears to him, and he says, Look at the palms of my hands. See my love for you. Look at what's on the palms of my hands. See, that's your final argument, because it's more than an argument. It's a deed. 
This is not just talk. This is action. You know why it's a final argument? What if you say, oh, I can't believe God loves me because look at all the awful stuff in me, the things that I have done. You know what Jesus says? You're afraid that God's going to forsake you? On the cross, I was forsaken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I was forsaken. I got the forsakenness that you sense that you deserve so that now, no matter what you do, God will never forsake you. He loves you as unconditionally as a mother loves her nursing infant. Well, you say, well, what about all these other things out here? But don't you see, I've done the thing that you really need. My love is unconditional. It is indestructible. And I absolutely love you unconditionally forever and ever. Amen. Psalm 119, verses 81 through 96. The Word of God will help you get victory over your enemies. When your eyes are failing and your soul is fainting, the Word will give you strength and comfort. When it looks like the end has come, well, God's Word helps you make a new beginning. Your worst enemy is on the inside, so let the Word work in your heart. You know, if you uh, trust God's Word, you'll have a solid foundation in a world that offers you no stability. The Word of God is settled. Nothing can change it or destroy it. God is faithful, and His Word can be trusted. The same Word that created the world and runs the world will also govern your life and make it secure. Psalm 119 Verses 81 through 96. I faint with longing for your, the Lord's, salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, exhausted with waiting, but I cling to your principles and obey them. How long must I wait? When will you punish those who persecute me? These arrogant people who hate your law have dug deep pits for me to fall into. All your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without cause. They almost finished me off, but I refused to abandon your commandments. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your decrees. Forever, O Lord, your word stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation, as enduring as the earth you created. Your laws remain true today, for everything serves your plans. If your law hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments for you have used them to restore my joy and health. I am yours, save me, for I have applied myself to obey your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your decrees. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limit. Proverbs chapter 28, verses 15 and 16. A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a lion or bear attacking them. Only a stupid prince will oppress his people, but a king will have a long reign 
if he hates dishonesty and bribes.